Hi, and welcome again to Process, a show where we have honest conversations about what it takes to manage the ups and downs of the creative process. I'm Marcela Chamorro, your host. This is our very special launch week this week. We'll be releasing three episodes today, and this is the second. In this episode, I'm super excited to be talking to Sean Ogle, a friend of mine who works from anywhere in the world. We'll be diving deep into the fact that sometimes doing work we love is hard. Let's deconstruct how to manage that roller coaster and find some solutions. And we find out how Sean has done that over the past six years of his entrepreneurial journey. Let's get to it. Sean, it's awesome to have you on. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Anytime. So just to give a little bit of a background on Sean Ogle, um, you run a blog called Location 180, and you sure. teach a course um, called Location Rebel. Is that correct? That's correct. You got it. And I'll link to all this in the show notes uh, for anybody who wants to know more about Sean. But tell me a little bit about your journey, Sean. How did you get into this whole location-independent, entrepreneurial jazz? Yeah, so it's kind of, kind of a long story, but basically I was working as a financial uh, analyst after I graduated college. And it was very, it became very clear after about six months, this was not what I wanted to be doing. I had two goals for myself after I graduated. I wanted to travel the world and run my own business. And I wasn't doing either of those things. So in February of 09, I saved up all of my vacation time for a year. Uh, and I went down to Rio de Janeiro, Brazil for the carnival celebration with one of my best friends. And so we went down, we went hang gliding over Rio, we danced at the carnival parade, we went down to Iguazu Falls. Like it was the most amazing trip imaginable. And it was on that trip, it was the last day, we were like sitting on Copacabana Beach drinking coconuts. And we're like, man, we should be able to do this whenever we want. And so I came back, and not long after that, I started Location 180 and kind of started the process for leaving my job and starting to travel and building a business, and it all kind of spiraled out of control from there. That's awesome. So you were inspired by Brazil. Yeah, that was the, the catalyst. That was yeah. the one thing. I was like, man, this is awesome. I want to do this as much as I can. And how did you get to the point where you decided to teach other people to do the same Frankly, it was kind of a fluke. Um, what ended up happening was I, I left my job and a guy named Dan Andrews, who has a site called the Tropical MBA, he read, was a reader of my blog and I wrote about how it was my last day and I was leaving and I didn't know what I was going to do. And he's like, hey, I'm looking to bring an intern out to Asia. I'll pay for your basic living expenses, like 800 bucks a month, and I'll teach you how to do internet marketing and you work for me part time. So I was like, sweet, this is awesome. Great opportunity. So I went out there and I worked with him uh, for the better part of a year. And then I started doing freelance search engine optimization. That's how I was paying the bills, was doing freelance SEO. And as I'm going through this whole process, I kind of realized that I unknowingly developed this you know, formula or this set of you know, process for leaving your job and building a business online. I said, well, this, this worked for me. Maybe I can create a course and maybe it'll work for somebody else. And sure enough, uh, we just had our four-year anniversary. We've got 1,500 members in our Location Rebel community from over 40 different countries. So it's been really excited to see that this you know, kind of process that I just stumbled upon in my own life has worked for so many other people as well. That's amazing. And I'm sure that the case studies and success stories that you hear from those 1,500 students of yours are probably responsible for the roller coaster's highs because we talk about like how the creative process has it's kind of like a roller coaster there's incredible highs and incredible lows so i'm pretty sure that 
those success stories are the highs for you, and as well as you know, sitting on Copacabana Beach as well. <laughs> Absolutely. So what I mean, so you told us a little bit about how you got out there and started doing this, but I'm curious. Four years down the road, with Location Rebel, what is it really like to do what you do now? Because there's time that we spend. In this case, for you, it might be traveling and having these awesome experiences, like the goal of what you wanted. But then we also have to divide our time into doing admin or stuff that's not so fun. I mean, it depends on each person. For me, admin sucks. So maybe that's why I'm saying that. How do you divide your time? You love admin. That's like all I want to do. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) How do you uh, get to divide your time in terms of what you really enjoy and what you wanted versus what's not so fun but needs to be tended to? Well, you know, that's the nice thing about having this type of business is I can do things on my own time. I can, you know, do what I want to do when I want to do. And sure, there's always the the administration type stuff or, you know, the sending the emails or all of these things that take can take some time and aren't always the most fun things. But I'm essentially able to spread it out. You know, I work seven days a week, 365 days a year, pretty much, you know, even if it's just answering a couple emails or whatever, but I pretty much never take a day off. And some people are going to look at that lifestyle and be like, that sounds miserable. Like, I don't want to do that. Like I want to do nine to five, get home and be able to like tune out work. But when you're a lifestyle entrepreneur, the business is the lifestyle. Um, and so kind of what I've found is I work when I'm inspired to, and you know, I have to, be a little bit more diligent in setting times for the stuff I don't want to do because it's easy to just push it off and never do it. So, you know, I'll say, okay, from 9 to 11 a.m. every Monday, I'm going to go through and I'm going to do all the admin stuff, you know, pay affiliates or pay employees or, you know, answer the emails I've been putting off or whatever. And that's the time I've got to do it. And I don't have to worry about it for the rest of the week. Um, and so being really diligent about those times is, is important because I've gone through, you know, months at a time, if not years at a time where I just don't spend the time working on, you know, those essential elements that just aren't as interesting. And I love how you, you talked a little bit earlier about how all of this came from a blog. Would it be correct to say that you didn't foresee that you would end up location independent entrepreneur from starting a blog? Oh, 100%. I had no idea. I started the blog to hold myself accountable for all of the stuff that I wanted to do in life. I realized that I was in this job I didn't like. So the first thing I even published on the site was my bucket list. I was like, here's 100 things that I want to do with my life. And if I don't start making progress on this now, I'm never going to do it. And so I was using that essentially as a public accountability tool. And over the years, it morphed into what it is now, which is all about teaching people how to build a business they can run from anywhere and kind of travel and entrepreneurship. But that's certainly not how it got started. Which is this kind of the same concept that's happening right now with your golf blog. For people who don't know Sean's work, um, he has a, a website called Breaking 80, where you started playing all kinds of amazing courses across the U.S., and now it's kind of becoming a business as well. Totally. And so I started that two years ago simply because I love golf. I love traveling. I love playing new courses. And I said, you know what? I'm not going to worry about the money. I'm just going to create the golf site that I wish existed. And now, you know, we're a little over two years into it. And, you know, I've been able to form some partnerships and actually make a fairly considerable amount of money uh, through the site just because I did things my way and the way that I wanted them to. And, you know, that's one of the great things about this lifestyle of 
is if I were in my day job, I, there's no way that I would have been able to create this site. If I didn't have another successful business kind of, you know, bringing in the money, I wouldn't be able to devote the time and the effort to building this without worrying about income. So I think that's one of the the cool things about lifestyle entrepreneurship is you start with something that's going to allow you to build your income and your confidence. It may not be super sexy. It may not be really fun. Like I did freelance SEO, which, you know, wasn't my favorite thing in the world, but that enabled me to start the businesses that I really wanted to be involved in. And, you know, I think that that's, uh, that's something that gets overlooked a lot. A lot of people don't really approach it that way. I think it's, it's interesting for a lot of people to hear that something as vague as I'm going to start a blog to just explore and see what happens. And later in the future, it might become a business. It's something that people, they, they want to believe it, but then they struggle to start especially without a clear concept of how is this going to pay my bills in the future? How is this going to you know, lead me toward that either location independent or just freelancer or I'm my own boss kind of uh, situation. So mm-hmm. walk me through the, probably I'll ask you about breaking 80 just because it's more recent. The process you went through with, I want to work in something golf related. I want to create this website I'm not sure if it's going to work, but I'm going to do it anyway. Like, how did that feel? Well, for me, the golf site was less about being a business opportunity and more about being a hobby and a passion. You know, when you're passionate about something, it's really easy to work on it, regardless of the the money. And so in some ways, you know, the golf site is kind of the antithesis to everything I'm teaching in Location Rebel. You know, I generally advocate people, you know, build the relevant skills that they need to build a business online. So basic things like copywriting, search engine optimization, WordPress, social media for business. You know, this is the process where you start learning these skills. You build a website that's kind of a training ground for these skills. And then you pick one of them and freelance. And most people will start with freelance writing because it's the absolute easiest way to start making money online. And that's going to build up your income. It's going to build up your confidence. And it's going to allow you to start things like breaking 80. And so it's kind of this, you know, three or four step process, build the skills, start a website, freelance the skills, and then apply to all the, the sexy stuff. And so for me, this was the process I went through and breaking 80 and location rebel to a point were kind of, you know, that fourth step in the process where I was able to finally say, okay, I've got money coming in over here so I can spend the time and the effort to build this thing, you know, regardless of whether or not it brings in money right away. And, and that's worked out pretty well. I've had a few different businesses that you say, you know what, I know it has potential to make money in the future, but I'm not going to worry about that. I'm just going to worry about making the most interesting site that I can. And how do you handle or manage the two or all of your projects? Because I know you're also involved in a World Domination Summit, which is a conference that runs every uh, July yep. in Portland, Oregon. And you have other things going on. So how do you manage these side projects, your main project, whichever one that you choose right now is your main project, and your time versus traveling, which is what you love to do? Frankly, with a little bit of difficulty. Um, you know, I tell people, you know, focus on the income first. So focus on the freelance stuff. And then once you've got that money coming in, then kind of move over to your passion project. Um, the problem for me is, you know, I had the income and now I've gone through like three or four iterations of different projects that I like to do. Um, and those have all kind of grown to the point where they can take more time and energy and resources. And so I'm kind of at a turning point in my own life right now where I'm trying to say, okay, I've got all these things going on. Um, what can I pare down? What can I ratchet back to really focus on the like two, three, you know, two or three things that 
I think have the most potential or the things that I'm most excited about. Um, you know, as far as travel is concerned, one of the things I learned pretty early on is that I can maintain my business when I'm on the road. You know, I can answer emails or write blog posts or whatever, but I have a very difficult time growing my business. You know, if I'm, at least if I'm traveling, you know, pretty regularly, if I go somewhere and I stay there for a month and I can form routines, then that's one thing. But, you know, for me, um, I've got a house in Portland, Oregon. You know, I spend eight months, nine months out of the year here and the rest of the time I'm on the road, but it's during those eight or nine months here. That's where I'm making the most progress. That's where I'm doing the planning and, you know, building things for the future. Uh, whereas on the road, I say, you know what, I'll work three or four hours a day to maintain things. Um, but I want to be able to enjoy those travel experiences and see people and see, you know, interesting things and experience the, the travel. And how, what is it like, to sit down and say, all right, I need to limit what I'm working on. How does it feel to let go? Because I know that the projects that you work on, you're passionate about, you enjoy them, you love the people um, that you work with. So letting go is sometimes um, more difficult than starting, I feel. Is that something that you have experienced as well? It's really difficult. And especially, you know, I'm with a lot of my projects, I'm kind of a solopreneur. You know, I've got myself, uh, my community manager for Location Rebel, Liz. But other than that, you know, I, I don't have a bunch of employees or anything like that. But I do have a few projects that I've partnered with different groups of people on. And, you know, some of those I've been doing for four or five years now. And, it gets tough because you don't want to let down that group of people that you've gotten to, you know, become good friends with. Um, and so that's, I think that's the hardest part. It's not necessarily giving up the project or giving up the work. It's that feeling of, I don't want to let somebody else down. And that's something that is kind of, that theme has kind of been around throughout the course of my life. You know, when I left my job as a financial analyst, you know, I had this, you know, these guys took a chance on me right out of college. They could have hired someone with more experience and they took a chance on me. So I felt like I was letting them down. And for, you know, a year and a half, I stayed in this job out of obligation and feeling like I should rather than focusing on what was really best for me. And I think that's the hardest part of, you know, ratcheting things back or moving on to the next phase or, or whatever it is, is just, you know, that feeling of potentially letting down other people. What about letting yourself down? Has that been something that I know that I struggle with that in my own uh, creative process? And it's difficult when you're creating for an on- online audience that you don't get to see every day. I know you uh, with Location Rebel have more interaction with, you know, the 1500 students from 40 different countries, which is amazing. Um, mm-hmm. But I feel like it's also when you're sitting behind a desk and you're a solopreneur, like you said, it's also a struggle to not let yourself down with, you know, growing your business or maintaining your business or whatever it is on any creative endeavor. I feel like that's something that, you know, any entrepreneur is going to struggle with off and on. For me, it's never something that I've fully solved because when you're an entrepreneur, there's always something you should be doing or there's always something you could be doing. The work is never done. And so for me, there's a lot of days where if I take like the vast majority of a day off or I'm feeling lazy and I just don't get much done, you know, I do have to battle with that, you know, those feelings of letting myself down. But it's it's kind of a constant thing as you eventually get to the point where you realize like there's always going to be something you could do. So you have to learn to live with that and give yourself permission to say, you know what, I'm not going to do that today or I'll do that tomorrow or I'm going to take today to, you know, enjoy my life and the freedom I've built or go have fun with friends or whatever it is. And 
for a long time, that was one of my biggest struggles is I always felt like I had to be working because there was always something that should be done. And I've learned to kind of separate that a little bit more um, and kind of say, you know what? I've been working hard. Like I owe it to myself and I need to take a little bit more time today for, you know, my own mental sanity. And I think we all have different ways of, of dealing with that and kind of getting to that point. But it's taken years of ups and downs and personal battles to get to the point where I felt comfortable with saying, you know what? Like the rest of today, I'm done. I'm not going to worry about it. I mean, I was going to ask how you do that when you work seven days a week, because it's, that sounds very difficult not only on you, but also for your family or for your friends. Um, I know for a lot of times people are like, you know, let's, let's go hang out. And I'm like, you know what? I have a blog post due on Sunday. And nobody's holding me accountable to that except for myself. But I can't. I got to go. I got to write. Um, and totally. some people don't understand that. When I say work seven days a week, I mean, some days that will literally be, you know, 20 minutes of email in the morning. Um, but one of the things that I've learned to do is adjust my schedule. You know, I was never historically like a big morning person, but now I know if there are, you know, things I want to do later in the day or, um, you know, if I'm going to have a busy week, then I get up earlier because at six in the morning, there's not much in the way of distractions. So if I get up earlier, I can get a little bit done. And even if I say, want to go golfing at eight, I can still get two hours of work done before I go and do that. Um, so I think that's one of the biggest changes I've made, um, because I'm not, I'm not someone who works at night. I'm not a night owl. I don't get much done after like 5 PM. So, you know, if I wake up early, it's just kind of like bonus time to be able to work on whatever I'm doing that day. That's interesting because what everything you just described basically has an undercurrent of self-awareness of knowing yourself, um, Mm -hmm. and, and how you can tailor your work day to your own, kind of like um, DNA, but, and, and I, I love how you said playing golf at 8 in the morning because my husband plays golf all the time, and one of the things he struggles with the most is when can I play because during the week it's tough and golf courses aren't open at night, and we always compare like with my exercise. I can, I can work out anytime in my yep. room if I'd like to. Um, gyms are open till 11 p.m., midnight if you want, if you find one, but golf makes it more difficult, so how do you manage golf, which is a four to five hour uh, journey, plus getting there, getting set up, practice, um, all that stuff with your work? There's, so there's a few ways you can look at it. Um, there, and there's a few things I do. This so one of, the most pop- yeah. <laughs> one of the most popular blog posts I ever wrote was called Why You Should Stop Working at Noon. And, you know, especially during the summer when we've got more daylight hours and I'm more apt to want to go out, outside and do things. Um, you know, I would say I'm going to stop working at noon. I'll, I'll schedule something fun at 1 PM and I've got, you know, finite hours to get everything done. And that's actually worked really well for me in terms of motivating me to, to get my work done. So often, you know, maybe it'll be a Wednesday and I'll schedule a round of golf for one I'll work in the morning knowing that I don't want to have to cancel that round of golf because I'm excited about it. So that's going to make me more motivated to get things done. The, the other thing I do is I'm actually a member of a golf club here in Portland and the first tee times at 7 a.m. So, you know, once or twice a week, I will go out at 7 a.m. I'll play by myself and I'll be the first one on the course. And when I do that, I can usually play in about two hours. So you play really quickly, start at seven, I'm done by nine. And then often I'll just bring my laptop and I'll work from the course. So I'll work for three hours in a conference room or something, and then I'll go out and go to the driving range. Then I'll have lunch. Then I'll go back and do another few hours of work. So that's one way I've been able to take the concepts of location independence and you know hobbies that I'm interested in, 
um, and business and I'll kind of combine it together to something that fits my personal lifestyle. And that's going to be different for everybody, but that's kind of one of the things that I've found works really well for me and my interests. I love that idea, but um, it takes a lot of breaking through a bunch of concepts that we have been ingrained with in terms of work and work hours. And I, I love that you've, you've done that self-work because not everybody is able to do that um, and say, you know, I'm going to work when I want the way that I'm most effective and efficient and screw the, you know, working conventions, if you know what I mean. And it's taken me a lot of years to get to the point where I got over that, you know, my, my old business hours were 7.30 to 5. And so, you know, when I was starting, I felt like I had to be working from 7.30 to 5. And that was, that was a really tough thing to get over because like, you know, when you were going to school growing up, you know, you would go from 8 to 3 or whatever. I mean, it was always, those were the times you went. Um, and so trying to break yourself of that is tough. And luckily for me, the times I'm most productive are fairly similar. It's like from like six to noon. That's my, my most productive period of time. And I recognize that and I try and, you know, get the work done there. But, you know, for a lot of people, it's even tougher because, you know, maybe they do their best work at, you know, two in the morning. Um, well, you know, if you're going to leave your job, which was traditionally an eight to five job, and then all of a sudden start working at two in the morning, you know, that can be a very difficult transition to make. But, um, I think a lot of it just comes down to being honest with yourself and saying, you know, you know, historically, when am I the most motivated? Because when you're working for yourself, that's really what it all comes down to is motivation and energy levels. You know, when I've got the highest energy levels and I'm the most motivated, that's when I'm going to be the most productive and that's when I should work. So I always try and schedule things around those periods of time for me. So talking about difficult transitions, what has been the biggest struggle or obstacle that you've faced? I mean, creative or otherwise? Um, Because I'd love to hear how somebody like Sean Ogle, location-independent entrepreneur, um, <laughs> has kind of faced struggles that we all, you know, in some form or another, we all suffer in our creative endeavors. And I'd love to hear something that you've managed to overcome and most importantly, like how you did it uh, because the how is what we can extract lessons from and apply it to our own lives. Yeah, there's been so many things I've struggled with over the course of the last six years. And, you know, just because it's something that I'm kind of currently, you know, working through, I would say one of the things that people don't necessarily think about is what happens after you have a little bit of success. So for a number of years, you know, my sole focus was making enough money to support myself. You know, I need to pay the bills. I wanted to travel. I had to make enough money to do that. Well, now six years into my business, I've got the money to do that and I can support myself. And so money is not necessarily the primary motivator. So how do you keep motivating yourself when you've already got enough money to do the things that you want to do? And I think that's kind of a, it's something that not a lot of people talk about. Um, So for me, what I've found is it's, you know, forced me to take a step back and really think about why am I doing this to begin with? Why, you know, am I doing the golf stuff or why am I doing Location Rebel? And I think that, you know, what he kind of came to the conclusion is I do the golf stuff because I enjoy it. You know, it's kind of a selfish thing. It's like, I'm not changing the world by golfing and writing about it. However, with Location Rebel, 
I feel like in some ways I am changing the world or I'm, I'm at least changing the lives of the people that have gone through the program. And, you know, we talked, you know, in the very beginning about the case studies and some of the testimonials that are truly the most motivating thing in the world. You know, I see these stories come through and I see how, you know, happy these people are that they made these changes in their lives. And it's like, you know, that was what I needed to focus on because it wasn't about the money, but when I see how happy these people are and, you know, the impact it's had on their lives, that was all the motivation I needed. So I think that that's kind of an important question for people at any stage of business to think about is, you know, money aside, why are you doing what you're doing? And once, you know, things are successful, what aside from money is going to motivate you to want to take things to the next level or continue to do it, you know, week in and week out. So I, I don't know if that's a good answer or not, but that's something that I've kind of been thinking a lot about over the last year or so. It's definitely a, a great answer, especially if it's true for yourself. And, and I've written about this um, recently about turning our, like, our ego goals, um, so in this case money, toward more of like a, a mindset of serving and serving mm-hmm. other people. And, and it sounds like that's the, journey, the same journey that you've been on um, with Location Rebel and your other pursuits. So one last question. Um, I mean, we could talk for hours, and, and I would love to have you <laughs> back on the podcast once you... I know you have some, some other stuff in the works, and I want to talk to you about that um, in the future. Totally. What do you wish you would have known when you started out? And this is not necessarily you know, like practical advice, like get an accountant or you know, stuff like that for your business, but more advice that has impacted the way you approach your business. Um, you know, I, one of my favorite quotes from World Domination Summit that you're involved in is, um, you are not your failures, you are not your successes. And that has changed my entire mindset and the way that I view what I do. So I'm curious, what has impacted you? What do you, what do you wish you would have known? I think the biggest thing is kind of the concept of the worst case scenario probably isn't as bad as you think. And the chances of it happening are probably not very likely. So, you know, in your head, you can build up. It's like, oh, if I leave my job and go travel or do whatever, it's like I'm going to get mugged and then I'm going to get robbed and then I'm going to be left out on a, you know, rock in the middle of the ocean to die. You know, that's probably not going to happen. You know, maybe I go out there and this business that I thought I was going to be able to create, maybe it doesn't work out. I run out of money. I have to come back to the States and get a real job. You know, that might be a little bit more likely, but if that's the kind of real worst case scenario, that's also not so bad. And you've had all of this life experience and you've had your adventure or whatever. So, you know, I think that, you know, with just about every aspect of my, my lifestyle and my business over the last couple of years, I'm kind of continually reminded that, you know what, worst case, it's not as bad as you think. And chances are that worst case scenario is not going to happen anyway. And I think that if I had that mindset from the very, very beginning, um, I would have been much more likely to take some chances earlier on and who knows, maybe even be more successful than I am now. Maybe I would be back in a day job if things didn't work out. But um, that's definitely one theme that's kind of continually come up, not only in my own life, but in a lot of the people that I've worked with in uh, Location Rebel as well. I love that. And I, and I think it probably would have not only given you more success, but more peace of mind. You know, thank you so much for, for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me. I love that. On top of more success in your business, that wonderful piece of advice can help you enjoy more peace of mind as you create as well. Well, you heard it, folks. Thanks so much, Sean, for sharing your journey's ups and downs with us. I love what you said about always revisiting the purpose behind what you're creating and asking yourself why you do what you do and how the worst case scenario 
isn't all that bad and probably won't even happen. Sean, you're the best. And you, thanks for listening to Process. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd be so grateful if you subscribe. That way, you'll be in the loop for the next episode. Remember to drop us an iTunes review if you enjoyed this talk with Sean. I'd be so, so, so grateful. Tune in to our next episode of Process for more on managing the ups and downs of creating and making. I'm Marcela, your host, and this was Process.